You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. So as Elodie said, we have the privilege of having Leo and Christine. Leo and Christine lead the team that leads GGC Life Church in Sydney. They hosted the Equip that we just had. Um, There's a a great church. They're part of the NCMI team that we partner with. Um, We love them. They've been been here before. They've ministered before. But we, we love them for who they are, but we also love what they carry. They've got a heart for the presence of God. They've got a heart to see the kingdom advance. They're kingdom people. And so it's a privilege to have them. And there's something about, um, the, the Bible says that when we receive a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. It's talking about gifts. And when we receive what's on somebody, when you open our hearts to say, yes, we want to receive what they have to bring to us, that we actually get part of that. We, we, we get like the, a release of that into our lives. And so I want to ask, um, as I invite them to come up and minister, or invite Leo to come, would you stand up and give them a big Melbourne Lights Church welcome this morning? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Christine, come and say hi to everyone, my beautiful wife. Good morning, church. <laughs> I am so excited in my spirit because I feel like you guys are on the cusp of revival. I feel like, I I was about to say, um, you guys, I felt like a pivot has already taken place in the life of your church. And I know that you did not change the name of your church by accident. You are called Melbourne Lights church for a reason, because you have called to be a light. You have been assigned to be a light to the nations. And I really feel like you guys are just about to just, you know, it feels like the doors are about to open and you're about to walk into something absolutely incredible. All I'm going to encourage you is keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. No matter what storm you might be facing or what's been thrown in your way, it is so important to keep our eyes fixed on Him kind of thing. In these last days, I really believe men and women who are sold out to keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus will have longevity in what they've been called to and what they've been assigned to. So we love you guys, and I hope you guys would make it this evening because we're wanting more more of Jesus. Amen. So Father, we say thank you. We say thank you for what you're about to do. We say thank you for what we're about to eat this morning, Lord God. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Father, we know that when your presence comes, in one moment things change. Circumstances change. So Father, we continue to invite your presence because we do not want to do anything without your presence. Presence preceding us, Lord God. Have your waking, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Beautiful. Wonderful. So it's always an honor and a privilege to share God's word. So thank you for having us, Matt and Elodie, and having us in your beautiful home. Um, I was praying this morning and I just um, had a, a little picture in my spirit of a revolving door. And a revolving door is exactly that people come in get trained up and and go out so and and just the fact that you guys have you know just sent the whole team to New Zealand rise up Matt is ministering in other churches in you know in New Zealand as well then he's come but the team's come back and then Paul Zanata's going there Monica's going to be going at the end of the week uh, for the weekend and, and then you've got a team going to Mount Gambia and then you've got Taylor and his wife going to 
Romania, and, and, and next year, and you guys are going to be going into the nations, Indonesia, trips, and it's just, it, it, so it's a healthy thing. Really, that's what church should look like. It should look like coming in, getting saved, getting set free, getting trained, getting, getting equipped, going out and, with the gospel. The Bible says, go. So go is um, two letters of the word God. So go. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I want to speak on the, I want to speak on, is it, you can title, it can entitle this message so many different things, but I felt the most important part of entitling this, because this is where, really what the Lord has um, emphasized in my heart about this message, and it's um, the secret place of His presence, because it really gives us um, the secrets of how to go into His presence, and, and, and the fact that His presence is 100% available all the time. Like basically there's nothing in the way between us and God. The, the Bible speaks of this mystery that was hidden in God before the ages, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. This mystery was, and the Colossians says, what is this mystery? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christos, the anointed one in us. The hope, earnest expectation of the very glory of God. And we're not talking about earnest expectation when we get to heaven, but the fact that Christ is in us now. That's the mystery. The mystery, Christ is in us. You don't have to physically see him walk into the room to believe that Christ is now with me. Christ is actually already in us. So, but but we've got to get to the place where we actually believe the gospel. We believe the good news. And so this helps us in a lot of areas. It, it, this could also be entitled the, the, the renewing of your mind, how to renew your mind or the power of thoughts. Because see, you're made in God's image. You're made in God's likeness. You don't realize the fact that you are, that God has delegated authority to us, hasn't he? In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and he said to you, to Adam and Eve, go rule, go take dominion, go, go um, what's the other word? Subdue the earth, subdue all the earth take dominion, and why God delegated His authority to Adam and Eve to rule in connection, in relationship with God, they were to rule on this earth. And so we, we've been delegated that authority. We just don't realize how powerful God has made us. We didn't make ourselves powerful. God made us powerful. Your thoughts are powerful. And so if you look at Jesus's remarks or Jesus's response remember when he came up from the mountain of transfiguration there was a pretty powerful prayer meeting up there that he was having and Peter James and John was up there and they all they all came down and the disciples were trying to set a little boy free from a demon remember and they couldn't they tried they tried and this man comes to Jesus desperately and basically says to him, to Jesus um because Jesus says, how long has this happened to him, this, this problem with this evil spirit? And uh, the, the father says, oh, of, often it casts him into the fire and sometimes into the water to try to destroy him. Try to kill, he's trying to kill himself. But if you can do anything, Jesus, and have compassion on, on us, help us. Jesus says unto him, if you can believe, think about this for a second, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, there's other scriptures that say all things are possible with God, 100%. Isn't that true? All things are possible with God. You have no problem with that. Jesus brought it a little bit closer to home. All things are possible to him who believes. And he's just, he, Jesus is really relaxed about casting the demon out of this little boy. 
Because he just knew, yes, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And the moment they brought the demon to him, the demon was manifesting, falling down because of the presence of Christ. And, all he, and, and, and that's when he's having this conversation. Oh, how long has it been with him? Totally relaxed. And he just says, come out. And the boy screams, convulses, and then manifests pretty, pretty, pretty weird. I mean, pretty wild. But he, and, then, and then he just he looks like a dead person because he just let go. And then they said, get him up. And he was up. And he was, he was totally set free. Totally set free. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I just want us to keep that thought as a foundation of our whole um, receiving this word from God, right? Receive this word from God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Um, I hope our, our, our mindset and understanding of what warfare is will change. Because sometimes we overemphasize the power of the enemy against us and power of the devil and everyone's worried about the devil attacking us. I think the devil's worried about us attacking him personally. I really do. I, if we knew who we were, then, then you realize, wow, he's actually, he just doesn't want us to find out who we are because he's afraid of us, right? And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? For the weapons of our warfare are not f- of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. In the King James Version, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And that really stood out for me. Okay, the weapons that we fight with are mighty. They're not carnal. They're not of this flesh. They're not of this physical world. They're mighty through God. So, wow, okay, I'm going to believe that. I believe the Bible. The weapons you and I have are mighty through God. So they're not mighty through me or through our own strength, but the weapons we do get to use are mighty through God. And it says, to the pulling down, the word pulling is a violent word. It's destroying strongholds. What you got is, which, one, which version you got up there? Um, divine power to destroy strongholds. Yeah, it's good. Destron- the strongholds. Destroy, is a, it's a violent word to cast down strongholds. Now, we don't, we're trying to, Paul, what are, you, what are you actually saying? What do you mean by strongholds? He actually goes on to say what the strong, strongholds are. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises itself up, raised up against the knowledge of God. In the King James, it says we are destroying reasoning. When you look up the word reason, or imagination, sorry, destroying imaginations or destroying arguments. That word argument literally means... Um, Reasoning, imaginations, and thoughts. And then it says, and every lofty opinion, every high thing that raises itself up. And that's interesting because it actually means that any thought that raises itself in higher importance, higher priority in your mind, higher than God's word about you. Higher than the knowledge of God. That literally means against the knowledge of God. That means how God sees me. Any thought that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, I'm supposed to destroy it. And actually, the good news is you can destroy it. Like you you pull it down. You literally pull it down. But it's hard to pull down a thought unless you know it's a bad thought. So I I can't pull down a thought in my mind unless I know that's a negative thought. I shouldn't be thinking that. 
Because if I'm so used to thinking negative thoughts, you know how your mind goes, like, it's like strings. Your mind goes from one thought to another thought, string, 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 another thought to another thought, before you, and you get all the way down here, and before you know it, you're thinking about something so negative, so, this would never happen in a million years, but you've imagined something bad happening to your children, or something bad happening to your loved one, or something bad, because you just string, 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 and you, you, you didn't catch yourself that you had a negative string of thoughts all the way to this dark place of negativity you should have caught yourself here and go no I'm not going to think that I'm not going there I'm not going to allow myself that's that is against the knowledge of God so when the word of God comes in this is how it works when the word of God comes in the entrance of thy word is a lamp unto my feet it's a light to my pathway when the word revelation comes in it shines light so I can see the dark thoughts I can see the negative thoughts I can see the thoughts that are not from God that's critical that's judgmental I'm not going to think like that that's a thought of unbelief now that, that, that father says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. If he really believed, he would have been able to take authority over the demon. He would have been able to set the demon free. Jesus expected disciples to set him free. And they couldn't. So he said, I, I do believe, help my unbelief. So he had some unbelieving thoughts there that hindered his faith. This is what I'm trying to say. And all this, this is warfare. Warfare is not out there. Warfare is inside here to become more like Jesus. When I take God's word on and I believe God's word about me rather than a lie about me, I'm doing warfare. Because the enemy will do his absolute best to get you to believe a lie. That's the only weapon he's got against you and me. Are you following me so far? We are, this is because it says, for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. This is what it means to be mighty through God. This strongholds, you've got to remember Paul's analogy and his imagery is coming from the warfare that he knew in those days. The warfare in those days were, were um, arrows, swords, and spears, and maybe some catapult things. So, so, so what you actually, you know. <laughs> with big rocks and to destroy walls. But that's why they had fortresses. That's why they had castles. So I had a stronghold. A stronghold means you're in a castle. Picture yourself like this. You're in a castle full of bricks, 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 stone, 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 to create a, this place here. Stronghold means safety in the word, in the Greek. When you look it up, it means a place of stronghold is a place of safety. When I'm here behind the strongholds, now if they're of God, I'm safe from the enemy's attack. Because I believe everything what God says about me. But if I believe lies about me, wrong truth, a stone that's a lie about me, nobody loves me. Uh, you know, I'm not really worth much. People uh, ignore me. No one talks to me. You know, you know um, God doesn't love me. Any lie that you believe, and if you just have shame and condemnation, we, we sang a song, Worship to God, which says that Jesus, because of the cross, defeated all sin and all shame. Either he did or he didn't. I'm trying to get us to think, completely believe the word. Either he completely dealt with sin or he didn't. So that means my, there's no sin in, my, in the way between me and God. If I believe a lie, now this is what happened to me when I was a baby Christian. I'm, I'm like two, three months in the Lord. I'm in my... I might have said this, but I'll share it because I want you to see the truth of this. I was in my bedroom by myself with my guitar. And I'm not a very good musician. I know how to play C, D, and E. 
And so from my CD and E chords, I'm worshiping God in my bedroom by myself, pouring my heart out to him, just telling him I love him and singing a new song and singing and singing. And I'm getting closer in my heart. I'm worshiping and feeling like to, to draw close to God and experience his presence and to encounter him from pouring out my heart in worship. And as I'm worshiping, I remember my heart said, oh God, if it wasn't for my sin, I'd be able to get closer to you. That's what my heart cried out because I was feeling condemnation, shame about what I've done. And, and, then, and then I felt the Lord speak to my spirit. He says, Leo, it's not your sin that's the problem. It's you don't know what I have done about your sin. That's the problem. Because I thought the issue was my sin. So I, have, I believed a lie about my sin, that I believe my sin was keeping me away from God. And I didn't have strong faith that Jesus' death on the cross took care of my sin. And as long as I repent of my sin, just change my perspective, change my mind, turn around and confess my sins to God. The Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Again, now if it's all unrighteousness, it means all unrighteousness. That means if I just sinned yesterday, I can confess my sins to God. Or today, I confess my sins to God and repent and say, Lord, you were right and I was wrong in that area. I'm so sorry, Father, forgive me for what I did. Turn around and put my faith in Christ. I put, my perspective is I want to see your truth about that sin. Anytime we sin, we're basically saying to God, I don't trust you and I have, I have unbelief, I have fear, and I'll be my God in this area. I will provide my need in this area. That's, you know, anytime, let's say someone loses their temper. What's happening? Because you're losing control, you think if I scream, I'll get it back into the way I want it to be. I will be. My God, provide myself in this area. Provide for myself in this area. And that's true of anything. Someone that steals or lies about their taxes, they think, if I, if I lie here and say I earned this much when I didn't earn that much, um, I can actually get more money back and I can provide for my need. Be my God. See that, how evil that is when you see that? Oh, that's, that's unbelief. That's not trusting that God can provide all my needs according to His riches and glory when I live righteous and up, upright, upright and integrous. Integrous. It's, it's, that's what sin is. I have, just, I'm trying to help us to see that it's, this is, I got a, that lie when I believed, oh, it's my sin that's holding me back. I had to get a revelation as a baby Christian of my righteousness in Christ. It took me months and months and months to study on righteousness and learn on righteousness and read books on my righteousness until it got grounded. The truth, what was happening? I'm building the truth upon truth upon truth upon truth on the strongholds of my thought life. The way I saw myself, I'm safe in this place. No demonic attacks. But if I believe a lie, if I, believe my li if I build my life on a lie, what, what do you think suicide spirit happens? It gets to a point, someone feels so unloved, so unwanted, and they, they, and, and they just feel so unworthy. What's the point of living? And it gets so spirally dark in a dark place. And if I was to kill myself, no one will even miss me. No one will even, that's all lies. That's basing your life completely on a lie that you're not worthy or have no worth. When you are so worthy, and before God, I'm saying, you are so worth Jesus dying on the cross for you. I know I'm not worthy of my own righteousness to get saved. I know that. But he saw, he saw me and he valued me. He loved me so much that he would have died on the cross just for me if there was, I was the only person left on the planet. And that's true about you. So there's this, 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 the strongholds. Anytime I believe a lie. So I've got to cast down the lie and rebuild it with truth. Do you know the devil has no authority over you except when you believe a lie? 
We've got to understand that. The devil has no authority over me. This is why it's warfare. Because if you can win here, you've won it. If I can see, see, it's, it works in every area. It works in the area of salvation. As a church, you've got to believe that God saves. He sets people free from their sin. He can forgive people. They can get born again from death to life. If you don't believe that, if you, if you believe lies, oh, the strains are so hard, no one wants to listen to the gospel, and you, you believe all the lies and all the excuses, and oh, everyone's hard-hearted here and here, and no one wants to listen to Jesus. And No, you're believing a lie. Enough, you believe enough lies, you'll never see the fruit of salvation. But when you believe that if you pray for someone, they get healed, and they see the power of God, and, they, and you present Jesus to, to the lost as He really is. People love, strains love Jesus. They hate religion, but they love Jesus. And so, you, you, you know what I'm saying? You've got to believe the truth about Jesus and about the fact that God can save souls. Or unconsciously, you know, over the years of ministry, you've seen people give their lives to Jesus and they come out the front even and then they don't follow Christ. You see enough of that, you start thinking on, even when they give their lives to Jesus, they don't follow Jesus. Because they never accepted the gospel, but you can create a stronghold of unbelief. And that's the warfare is you've got to get to the place where you believe. You actually believe God can save and God can heal. It's true of healing. It's true of deliverance. It's true of anything. We're believing as a church for an $11 million building. Most of you probably know that. But we, we put our faith out. We, we gave them a deposit a year ago. We're believing for an $11 million building to buy this building that, that we had the equipment. Well, the warfare is in here. I've got to get to the place where I'm completely at rest because faith is rest, that I know, God, you said to go in and you said you would provide. So if I lose that in here and I'm not in a place of belief because I have wrong, strong minds, strongholds of unbelief, if I believe lies, oh, what about if God doesn't come through? What about if God doesn't go? What about if you brought the people in and it wasn't God? All the lies. So you can only, you're gonna, your faith can only be built on truth. Jesus said in Matthew no, so in John, I want to find John. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus was saying to those who, Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, or truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth you know will make you free. The, the truth you know will make you free. The truth your wife knows won't make you free. The truth you know makes you free. There's something about knowing truth. Truth, another way, another way of saying truth is it's reality. The reality you know, the coming into truth is coming into reality will set you free. That means if you believe a lie, you come into bondage, come into slavery. Jesus actually spoke about slavery straight after that. Jesus answered said, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. If you, if you still commit sin, you're trusting that that sin will provide for your need. A fleshly need, but you, you, you think that's better than God's goodness and God's grace and God's glory. And that's why you're a slave to it. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain in forever. But when, you, when, you, when you're a son, you live in the house and you, everything, everything that father owns is yours. That's sonship. I see myself as a son. But if I believe a lie, I've got the wrong strongholds built around my mind. I've got to cast them down through the Word of God. Look, in, in, in um, Matthew 16, have a quick look at Matthew 16, please. Matthew 16, verse 
13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of the Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? It was really important to Jesus. He sort of wanted to know, what are they all saying about me? Because what they're saying about me does affect Jesus' ministry. You've got to understand this for a second. When Jesus went to Nazareth, they all thought, oh, he's just the son of the carpenter. And the Bible says he couldn't do many mighty miracles there. He did miracles, but he couldn't do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Because I thought, he's just the son of the carpenter. They're familiar. We, we saw him grow up as a little kid in, in town, playing with my cousins and my, my nephews. And he's just the son of the carpenter. They didn't see him as the Messiah or the son of the living God. And Jesus was wondering, what are they saying, asking, what do they say about us? And they, they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, and others say you're Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, basically coming back from the dead. <laughs> they believed in reincarnation. That's crazy, right? But that's really what they were saying. He said to them, but who do you say I am? And you know the story. Now, Jesus, okay, that's great what they're saying. That's what, they, that's what they say about me. But who do you say? It's really important what you say about me, right? And Jesus says, uh, sorry, Peter responds and says, blessed are you. Uh, sorry, Peter responds and says, you are the Christos, the son of the living God. And Jesus was, whoa, wow, you know, like he was impressed. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon means reed. Blessed are you, reed, Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Physically, you can get this physically from anyone. My father who is in heaven, the father is a spirit, revealed this to you. Right? You didn't get it from man, you got it from the Father, direct to your spirit. God the Father revealed it to you, Peter. Revelation knowledge, that's what he got. He got something that could not get it in the natural. It's revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is what we live on as believers. Right? It is the manna from heaven. It is Jesus, is the bread of life. It's revelation knowledge. And, 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 he, and then he says to him, I, I also say to you, yeah, my Father has not revealed it. I also say to you that you are, Peter, you are a little rock, that's what it means in the Greek, and upon this big rock, what rock? The fact that you have a revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's building, a, he's building his church on, the, on revelation of Jesus. I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my church. On one hand, he's building his church on revelation knowledge, 100%, because that's how he built his church, it's on revelation knowledge. Because you can't get revelation without relationship. If you fall into religion and, and just duties, you, you just don't get revelation anymore. But relationship means you're having an intimate relationship with the Father, and He speaks to you. There's revelation knowledge. He builds His church on the, that, but He also builds His church on the revelation of who Jesus is. Right? So understanding who Jesus is, and he, I love this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who's got keys? You have keys? I, had, I, had, I was going to ask my wife and I forgot to ask because I, I gave my keys to, that's good, I'll use someone else's keys. But these keys, Jesus says, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? It's the son of the living God. Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus says, now God says to Peter, Jesus says to Peter, God says to man, to us, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And we act like God still got the keys of the kingdom. Now, let's, let's say he was Jesus. Let's say he was God. And he says, I, if you got this revelation of who Jesus is, I give you the keys. And it, now, G, Jesus gives to us the keys. What do, what do keys do? 
unlock doors. Open doors. Whatever you bind on earth would already have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth would have already been loosed in heaven. Because all things are possible to them that believe. It's like, you got the keys, but we act like he's got the keys. And we pray like he's got the keys. God, you got the keys. God, you got the keys. I've given you the keys. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach his gospel, and heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. He actually didn't even say pray for the sick. Oh my gosh. I'm just saying what Jesus said. He said, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Because we've got the keys. So whatever we believe on earth will be already, whatever we believe, we end up, it's like what we tie up, what we bind, it'll be bound in heaven. Because this is warfare. If I believe, no, it's not possible. You can never, you can't grow a church over 200 people. You just can't do it. No, not in this city. This city is the hardest. People have done this. This city is the hardest people, hardest city in the world. It's like everywhere you go, they really reckon it's the hardest city in the world. But if you believe it's the hardest city in the world, guess what? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. For you, it'll be the hardest city in the world. It's really what he's saying. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will already have been loosed in heaven. Jesus prayed the prayer. Fa- you know, Father, our Father right in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to be believing for, praying for. Your will, is there any sickness in heaven? Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any division in heaven? No. Is there any unforgiveness in heaven? Bitterness? People hating on one another? No. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's actually possible to live here on earth as it is in heaven. Because if you believe it's not possible, it will never happen. We're a kingdom people living kingdom lifestyles. So we've got to believe it's possible. So I, I, I actually believe, and I hope you all believe this, I actually believe it's possible to become more like Jesus. It might take me my whole lifetime to get a little bit more like Jesus. But I'm going to believe with all my heart that I can become more like Jesus. And I'm not going to limit myself by my own confession by saying, I'll never be like Jesus. Jesus says, the works that I do shall you do also because I go to the Father. Well, Jesus had so much faith in us that he believed you can actually do the works that I do. You actually, greater works. I, 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 I was... Um, I was in um, a few months, it was about two months ago this happened to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going for my prayer walk where I usually pray during COVID, you know, you can't go more than five kilometers, so I'm walking around my little park around my area, put my headphones on with my iPhone, worship, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and you know, sometimes the presence of God hits you hard, you know, like, this time was just, it just I'm weeping in, in footpath, cars are going past, <laughs> I try not to look at the traffic, because they're pretty close, and I'm, and I'm just worshiping God. And I'm, I'm just feeling his presence. Sometimes it just comes with so much presence and power and glory. And I've, I've, my prayer has always been, God, I want to experience your presence. I want to encounter you like I was there in heaven. I actually started saying that. I said, Lord, I want to experience your throne. And I imagine God's throne. Like I, I picture what God's throne looks like because of the book of Revelations. 
Like I imagine what, what you know, John, uh, the, the apostle who saw Jesus full of glory in the book of Revelations and his face was shining brighter than the sun. So he falls like a dead man. And, that, and, and, and I picture, and then when the, he was taken to the throne and it says it was like jasper and emerald and the one who sat on the throne was glowing with splendor and, and rainbows of all colors were emanating out of the throne, lightnings and thunders and peals of thunder and it was coming out of the throne. And, and, and I picture the Father brighter than a thousand suns. Imagine being in the very presence of God, the glory, the majesty. And I, I was saying this to God in, in my time. I said, oh, Lord, I want to experience your glory as if I was there. Like as if I was there. And then my first reaction, this is a mindset, remember? Strongholds of wrong thinking, wrong mindset. My first reaction is, that, oh, but that's not possible because you're in the flesh. And in heaven, there's no flesh. Oh, hang on a sec. Is that a biblical thought? I thought to myself, is that, is that, should that be the thing that hinders me? And I thought, no, not really. My next thought was, ah, oh, there's demons here. Which is true. There's demons here that can hinder, this is what I thought, that can hinder my encountering the presence of my Father. Because in heaven, there's no demons. So how can I experience heaven in the same glory realm as I, if I was actually there? And I thought, you know, Please hear what I'm saying. I started, hang on a sec. I started thinking about the work of Christ and the blood that was shed and what Jesus did on the cross. And I thought, surely what Christ did for us on the cross is way more powerful and, can, and the demons can't hinder what Christ did on the cross. Yes, they're here. I'm not, I'm not acknowledging the fact that, I'm not saying, no, they're not here. I'm just saying, I'm not going to believe they can hinder me. Because if I believe they can hinder me, guess what will happen? They actually they'll hinder me. Because that's my stronghold. There's my warfare. My warfare is believing the truth. That when Jesus died on the cross, I mean, I believe with all my heart, God the Father came up with his plan. It was his plan, his plan of redemption, his plan of a story of redemption. He thought about it. He came up with the idea. I did not even know I needed salvation. God came up with it. He sends his son, live a perfect life without sin, dies on the cross. And, and, and then when Jesus gets resurrected, the book of Hebrews 8, 9 and 10 we should be preaching about it way more. It says that Jesus himself, as the Son of God, not with the, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he went into the Holy of Holies. Not the one made with hands. This is all Scripture, I'm telling you. But the one made without hands into heaven itself. He went there with his blood. After he got resurrected, he went into the throne. This is a perfect sacrifice. And a man who was sinless, who lived sin, a sinless life, goes to heaven. Jesus, even though he was fully God, he's, he became a man. Because Adam got defeated as a man. The devil defeated Adam as a man. God had to bring another man. Second Adam, last Adam, the Bible says. And so Jesus, as a man, defeats the devil and strips Satan of all authority. If Jesus says, I've got all authority, then someone's got no authority to hinder me from experiencing his glory. So I started thinking, hang on, my faith should be that I honor the perfect sacrifice that God gave when Jesus went into the very holy of holies in heaven and poured out his blood at the mercy seat at the altar. That's still saying mercy, forgiveness, grace. It's still in the altar. Jesus' blood is still there. He would have got glorified. He poured out his blood, but he would have got glorified. Came back to the earth and told us all authority is given unto me. So I'm, now I'm establishing my thinking. And this is what I say to God all the time. Lord, there's nothing in the way between me and you. Nothing. Nothing. Right now, nothing. See, if I believe that, I can experience His presence. 
And sometimes my mind goes, oh, if Jesus walked into the room, what would I do? How would I react? I know how I react. I'll probably fall down like a dead man. Oh, God, you're so worthy. I love you. And he'd be shining bright in the sun. And, I, and I've got so much, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, so much uh, desire to show him how much I love him. Or, you know, and because he, if he would manifest, my flesh would get with it. My soul would get with it, wouldn't it? And I'd weep probably like a baby. But I thought to myself, I don't have to physically see him to experience his presence. Because Christ is in us. The hope of glory. That's what faith is. It's believing that we house the presence of God. That's the very reason why the gospel was given, why Jesus was sacrificed, was to reunite us to God. The Bible says, because of the blood of Jesus. I mean, then the scriptures came to me, and I was thinking, because I'm thinking, I want to I I think scripturally, I want to think biblically. Can demons really hinder me? Well, the Bible says that we, have, we can come enter boldly into the throne of grace, either we're entering or we're not. Boldly. Ephesians says, now we have access to the Father by one spirit. Either we have access or we don't. Oh, it's a symbolic access. No, it's real access. And I found Romans 8. Just have a look at Romans 8 quickly. You know where I'm going with this, if you know Romans 8. Just quickly, look at this. Romans 8, verse 29. For those whom... He foreknew, who God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed into the image of His Son. Now that word conformed literally means that. That He, God predestined you and I to be transformed to the image of His Son. Whether you realize it or not, this is God's destiny for you. And I just believe if God has a destiny for me to become more like Jesus, I'm going to get there. And you are too. Now that's God's he has predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the force sorry the firstborn among many brethren you see i've got a firstborn named leon but he's only my firstborn i have a secondborn i have a thirdborn i have a fourthborn son and a, and a fifthborn daughter they're all my children and they all have access to us as parents but also access to our inheritance when we pass on jesus already passed on by the way we don't have to wait for Jesus. You know, when someone makes a will, you wait for them to die to get their inheritance, true? Well, Jesus did make the will, did die, and now we've already got his inheritance. We don't have to wait for us to die to get the inheritance. We have got it because Jesus did die and gave us his inheritance. That's why the Bible says that he's the head where the body, wherever the head is, the body has to be. So we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're actually there already. And, and not just that, we are joint heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ has, I have to have. I'm going to believe this is the stronghold I'm going to believe. I'm going to build the truth of my, my stronghold is going to be a stronghold of God. And I'm safe here. Demons can't attack me because I've in God. And the demons are afraid of us when you speak to them. Look, look let's quickly finish here. It says, and these whom he prayed the instant, he also called. I mean, he called you. And these whom he called, he also justified he justified you. If either you're justified by him or you're not. So if you're totally justified, you have access to his presence. And no demons can hold you back from that. Right? And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And that blows our minds away because it's past tense. He's already glorified you. Now I know we're going to receive a glorified body. 100% believe that. But I still believe we have access to the glory of God. Christ in us. The hope of glory. 
Um, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can even demons be against us and hold us back from the presence? Well, if you believe they can, they can. All things are possible to them to believe. Even if you believe a lie, the devil has authority over you when you believe a lie. So if you believe a lie that the demons can hold you back, guess what? They'll definitely hold you back. That's why it's important to believe the truth. Right? That's why it's important to renew our thinking. He goes on to say, he, he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up over us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. So remember I said, oh Lord, if it wasn't for my sin, I would be able to get closer to you. Well, there's no charge against us anymore because of Jesus. Because my faith is in the cross. He paid the penalty for me on my behalf. Jesus did not have to die on the cross for himself. He did it for you. He did it for me. His victory was your victory. That victory that Jesus paid for was my victory. I have to own it. It belongs to me. It was in the mind of God, it was as if you were crucified with Christ. Because you were buried with him. You were crucified with him. You died with him. You were buried in baptism and then you were made alive with him. Then you were raised with him. You were seated with him and you were glorified with him. All scripture. In the mind of God, he sees identification. Mankind's been identified with Christ because what Christ did, he's at the right hand of the Father. He's just raised us up into heavenly places far above. Listen to this. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. That's why Paul can cast out a devil and set someone free. That's why Paul, when someone fell asleep at his preaching, after three, that really encourages me all the time. But, uh, you know, third story, he, he falls asleep on the window still, falls down, dies. And Paul just goes down. Doesn't even say he prays for him. Goes down and hugs him. His life's in him. The anointing that's on Paul just raised him back from the dead. Paul knew some stuff. I want to know what Paul knew. And so, read here in verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ is Jesus, is who died. Christ Jesus who died. Yes, rather, who was raised what we're talking about right hand, and who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. If you're going to think, oh, hang on, the demons can hold us back, just think that Jesus is interceding for you, the right hand of the Father. Who will, listen to this, who will separate us from the love of the Christos one? Who will separate? The word separate means, when I looked it up, it says nothing between. Who can separate? Who can there's nothing between me and God. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Verse 37. But in all these things, I mean, he actually says even like when he talks about, you know, all day long we're, we're, we're considered sheep to the slaughter. In other words, no matter, even if the hardest tribulation, you're in the dungeon with Paul and Silas. Your, your, your backs are laid bare, 39 lashes. And there's rats and it stinks and it's pitch black and it's yuck. Still can't separate you from the love of God. And he worships. They worship in the middle of midnight. And because he worships, an angel comes. See, there's heavens open. And the presence of God comes. An earthquake happens and set free. So nothing can separate us. Not even the hardest times that you go face, you know, that you can face. Um, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, there's your demons, nor things present, and just in case uh, he goes, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, and he goes, just in case you forget something, or someone, or some created thing, he goes, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. Unless you believe, they can separate you. But Paul is saying, I believe nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So when this, this should aid your prayer life. It should give you good news to say, God, I can come into your presence anytime, anywhere. We have a great time when we come together because all our embers come together. There's a big bushfire. And if you take a, a rock out of the bushfire, a rock of fire out of the bushfire, or a wood of, you know, that's on a flame, you take it out by itself, it will lose its fire really quick. So we need one another. At the same time, I can come into, my, I can come into God's presence in my bedroom, in my car, going for a walk, buying groceries at work. You can experience, you know, we are mobile temples of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere we go, mobile. We really are. Paul says, know you not that you're the temple of the living God. Paul said that. Don't you know that you're the temple of the living God, that the Holy Ghost dwells in you? Ephesians 6, we haven't got time to go through it, but have a read the armor. After the magnificent genius of a book, of all that we are in Christ and all then outliving our Christian life and the fivefold ministry. And then he goes, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Now think about the armor of God, the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. That you, because for our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Our wrestling is against principalities and powers and might and dominion. And, and it, like, it doesn't say how to do the wrestling, except it says, Put on the armor. Put on Christ. That armor is Christ. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's physical. But we do wrestle and it's spiritual. Put on something spiritual. That armor is all spiritual. Armor of righteousness, belt of truth. There's your truth again. Armor of righteousness. All, it's all Christ's clothing. It's his armory. Put on the helmet of salvation. This is, how do you do warfare? Become more like Jesus. Well, we think warfare, we want to get the demons. I'm going to go attack them. It, it didn't even say, it didn't even say, for the, the spiritual weaknesses in heavenly places and the, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, they're attacking us. Didn't say that. It says, we are wrestling, not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle. It's more like we, you know, there is a wrestle, there is a fight, and we wrestle against principalities, but the way you fight them, put on Christ. Be more like Jesus. The tr- when you get truth, put it on, you're doing warfare. If you want to come against the spirit of pride, put on humility. So that's, that's warfare. Do you want to come against fear? Put on faith. You're going to be warfaring. Jesus was baptized in water, as you know, from John the Baptist. He says, John goes, no, I need to be baptized by you. He goes, no, no, we must fulfill all righteousness. And he gets baptized in the water. And as Bible says, one of the translations says, as he was praying, heaven opened up. Heaven opened up. And a voice from heaven this is my beloved son in whom we are pleased. Heaven's opened ever since. Once Jesus died on the cross for you and I. And the other, you know, mountain transfiguration, another experience of the glory realm. Because a cloud, a bright cloud came. Peter, James, and John are shaken like a leaf. They've fallen down because of the glory. They can't handle it. But Jesus wanted them to see it. That really blessed my heart. Jesus, you said, Peter, James, and John, come up here. I want to show you the glory before I go. I want you to experience this. Even though when they did experience it, they said, well, don't tell anyone until I die. Because he wants to make sure he goes to the cross. But it just, see, Jesus, when he started praying, that glory that's in him just started shining like 
There's just, it's just so many. There's too many scriptures. Moses' face shined in the Old Testament, but we've got a greater glory. That fades away. That's a ministry of death. We've got a ministry of life. That's like the moon, the Old Testament. We've got the sun. The, the brightness of the sun compared to the reflection of a moon. Like it's just, it's, that's, that's the realm that we're walking in. We just got to believe it. And it takes daily walking with the Lord. It takes spending time with Him daily, hearing Him, getting revelation, eating manna. So I encourage you in your own time with God, encounter Him. Experience Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are here and there is nothing. I just decree it and declare it. There is absolutely nothing in the way between us and You. Unless we believe there is. If we believe our shame is holding us back, then because we believe it, shame is holding us back. If we believe, Lord, our lifestyle, uh, the way we performed or the way we're obeying or disobeying, Lord, we can repent of those things. We can just say, repent and change our thinking and change our mind and repent, confess it out and then follow you. And at that point, there's nothing in the way. Nothing. So, Father, we thank you for your presence for deliverance, for healing, for any, any people that need freedom from addiction, people that need freedom from depression. Your word says that we can cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We believe we can. So right now, God's setting you free from believing you can't get free of depression. Just believe you can. That's where it starts. Just believe you can. So Father, I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you. And we thank you that there's nothing in the way between us as a family of God and you, our Father. We come to you running as children. Thank you for your presence right now. Peace. The shalom of our Father. The shalom of heaven right now. Just experience Him. Just, just say yes. All you have to do is agree to the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. And if, even if you weren't a believer, you can agree with what Jesus did by repenting of your sins right now. Say, Lord, I give you my life. That's agreeing. If, you're, if you've never heard this good news, you've never heard what Jesus did on the cross and He did it for you, you can just say, Lord, I believe. That's what happened to me. I just believed. I said, yes, I believe. I didn't even, I didn't even do the sinner's prayer. I just said, Lord, I believe. And God took my heart. Give Him your heart this morning if you haven't. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. You know, Jesus is the healer, but He told us, go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So as we bring this to a close, if you've got sickness in your body and you, you believe in God for healing, I'd love for you to come out the front and receive healing. I felt God wanted to heal people with diabetic issues um, and asthma, if you have asthma. And you have faith to be healed. Just come out the front. We can pray for you. The team can pray for you. The leadership team. Because Jesus is the healer. Amen. So Father, we thank you for your magnificent presence. Teach us, Lord, to come in. Just, you're a breath away. Every time we breathe, we say, Every time we breathe, that's the sound your lungs make. 
actually means breath. The name of God, Yahweh, breath. The Spirit of God means breath. Thank you for the breath that you've given us. Thank you for the life you've given us. We bless you, Jesus. hope you've enjoyed this week's message if you have any questions or would like more information please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au